Hey. I'm Lone Candle. Before Trump entered office, I made two videos that both involved speculations, predictions, hopes, and fears about what may happen in a Trump presidency. Now, I want to see how wrong and right I was. About the trade war with China. I said China was unlikely to give in in any major way. Why? Because China can simply outlast a term-limited U.S. president. Because Trump's plan was to go it alone rather than to create a more powerful and worldwide coalition. And because China wants to deter other challenges by acting strong in this trade conflict. I also said that there'd likely be a weak bullshit deal that'd be trumpeted as a great success and victory. I was quite right on this one. China did not give in, and the phase one deal that came out of the trade war was pretty minimal, although stronger than just a bullshit deal. The trade war overall was incredibly costly, and what we got out of it wasn't worth it and could have been gotten other ways. Tariffs are costly to both countries. When the United States puts a tariff on goods coming from China, that hurts Americans. That means those goods are more expensive. We either have to pay more for those goods, or choose to instead buy less quality or more expensive goods that are a worse deal than the pre-tariff Chinese goods. Certain people can be benefited if they are making the goods that now look better by comparison, but their numbers are small compared to the mass of Americans that are hurt. This is effectively a tax subsidizing those businesses. Not only are we paying more for goods and services, but because more money is spent on these goods and services, we have less to spend and invest in other things. This ripples through the economy and weakens it as a whole, making almost everyone worse off. And that's before you take into account China's retaliatory tariffs. Of course China would retaliate, and this destroys many U.S. businesses' ability to sell in the massive Chinese market. The pain this caused to many farmers has been well publicized, and the farmers' bailouts cost the rest of the country. So, the trade war was very expensive to Americans, and should be considered a terrible idea unless something major is gotten out of it. So what do we get out of it? A phase one deal that doesn't appear like it will ever come to a phase two. In the deal, China agreed to buy more American goods for a few years. This is not what we're looking for. Agreeing to buy some more goods for a few years is in no way worth the cost of the trade war. And China isn't even fulfilling the agreement. They're buying less than they agreed to. In the deal, China does agree to make some reforms on intellectual property, which could have long-term consequences. However, this is not some great triumph because China offered to do this before the trade war began. As soon as Trump started threatening a trade war, China made an initial offering to do some stuff on intellectual property. Trump rejected this, fought a costly trade war, then gave in and just accepted the initial Chinese offering. This isn't China giving in, but the U.S. It was more costly than it needed to be because it looks like we could have gotten here without a single tariff. But still, China has agreed to make some changes. Are these a success nevertheless? 
I can't say these are bullshit like I described in my expectations, but they are not the structural reforms we wanted. The reforms in the agreement follow trends that the Chinese were going toward anyways, are missing several important elements, may not be enforced well even if implemented on the books, and are obsolete or irrelevant in some areas. Still, the deal may have sped up some Chinese reforms and gives us an agreement to hold them to. It isn't nothing, but it isn't much. As I expected, the trade war was costly and didn't majorly affect Chinese behavior. When it came to Trump's proposed trade war with Mexico, I expected something similar. A bullshit deal trumpeted as a great victory. Trump did get a deal, and while it is more than a bullshit deal, it is small and didn't match Trump's anti-NAFTA rhetoric. Trump told the American people that NAFTA was a great evil. Then, he makes a new deal that's basically NAFTA 2.0. If you thought NAFTA was so horrible, this is not the deal you'd come up with. Now, the USMCA, NAFTA 2.0, did make some changes. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, and likely this agreement is a net improvement. So, I was wrong to expect a bullshit deal, but my general expectation of a limited agreement that didn't match the anti-NAFTA rhetoric was correct. On Trump leaving the Iran deal, I said the likely outcome was an Iran nuke or war. Iran shot down a U.S. drone, encouraged the attacking of the U.S. embassy in Iraq, and shot missiles at a U.S. base in Iraq, while the U.S. killed an Iranian general. These and others are serious actions, but they don't add up to a war. Also, Iran doesn't have a nuke, but has restarted its enrichment of uranium and its development of advanced centrifuges while also growing its nuclear fuel stockpile. This resulted in a 50% reduction in the amount of time it would need to create enough weapons-grade fuel to build a nuke. So, as a direct response to the U.S. pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal, Iran is closer to having a nuclear bomb. I was too strong in my words. There wasn't a war, and Iran doesn't have a nuke. But in both cases... The results were in the direction I expected. Heightened tensions produced violence between the U.S. and Iran, and Iran has gotten closer to having a nuclear weapon. I said that, thanks to Trump, climate change is fucked. Well, he certainly did take actions that hurt climate change when we desperately need actions pushing us forward. But... These actions weren't as damaging as they could have been thanks to some states still promoting low-carbon activities, businesses and individuals preferring low-carbon, the difficulty of changing things in the monster that is the federal bureaucracy, and the world not majorly retaliating by polluting more than they already are. Also, it's hard to say when we are fucked. Climate change predictions are based on models, and they have a wide range of error. We could be confident that the world is getting warmer. We could be confident that humans are causing it. And I think we can conclude that major action is justified. But we can't confidently say that due to four years of Trump, we are now officially fucked. We probably are, though. As far as the national debt goes, I expected Trump to explode the national debt. And he, in fact, did. I optimistically hoped Congress would stop him, but the Republicans, 
who cried like babies who had their lollipops stolen during the Obama administration, lost their strict principled concern about the debt when a Republican was in office. Congress did limit spending to less than Trump would have liked, but still allowed the debt to explode, even pre-COVID. Specifically, the Trump tax cuts, which had some good stuff in them, did not cut nearly enough loopholes, and on net, the tax cuts will weaken the country due to the added debt. On the Affordable Care Act, I speculated that it may be gone. The Republican Congress did try to majorly change it, but John McCain gave that the thumbs down. Congress and Trump did weaken it in a variety of ways, but it still exists and isn't that much weaker than it was before. So my speculation that Obamacare could be gone wasn't correct. Trump has scolded NATO members for not paying their fair share. I agree with his criticism and suggested, hopefully, that maybe he'll help. Military spending by NATO countries have gone up during the Trump years. It's hard to tell if this is because of Trump or the growing threat of Russia. But Trump may have had a positive impact here, although it's questionable whether his anti-NATO rhetoric was worth the results. Also, while the U.S. hopes to spend relatively less on NATO, we are spending a lot more on Europe in general in response to threats from Russia. And we actually have more troops in Europe now than pre-Trump. So it's not like we're shouldering a smaller burden. But my hopes that maybe Trump would help increase NATO member state spending may have come true. I suggested that with Melania Trump as First Lady of the United States, we'd have the hottest First Lady in history. While we can't compete with all them French mistresses, Melania is in fact the hottest First Lady in American history. So this expectation was dead on. Before entering the presidency, Trump made a big deal about banning lobbyists and draining the swamp. I suspected that he wouldn't really do much. I was right. What he did do was limited and riddled with loopholes, and he actually weakened some Obama rules. Trump issued an executive order that, among other things, banned officials from lobbying the agency they worked in for five years after they left, but let them lobby other parts of government. Obama's rules said administration officials couldn't contact their former agencies for two years. Trump changed it to one year for everyone except cabinet-level appointees. Lobbyists say that's huge for them. Hiring someone for a year while you wait for the one-year ban to run out makes sense, but two-year-old contacts are too stale. At least dozens in the Trump administration left and went straight to lobbying. Lots of them skirted the rules by being able to claim they were not officially lobbying when in reality, they were. Others easily sailed through other loopholes that Trump failed to close. Lobbying rules have always been riddled with loopholes, and Trump did little to end them. Congressional action is needed to tighten many of them. But the Trump White House didn't strongly push Congress to pass such legislation. Many legislators worked on anti-lobbyist bills, but received little help from the White House. Actual lobbyists said that with Trump's rules in place, the lobbying business boomed. Obama issued some waivers, but Trump's rules allowed him to do it without disclosure. So Trump could break his lobbying rules whenever he wanted, and the American people wouldn't even know about it. 
Former lobbyists have worked at high levels in the Trump administration. The acting administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency was a coal industry lobbyist. The acting Interior Department Secretary was a natural resources lobbyist. Hundreds of lobbyists have worked in the Trump administration. Trump gave out more lobbyist waivers in four months than Obama did in eight years and tried to do so in secret without giving a public rationale for the ethics waivers. His chief of staff, chief strategist, and counselor all received waivers. Trump proposed five promises on lobbying and only delivered on one, banning administration officials from lobbying on behalf of foreign governments and overseas political parties after they left the administration. And even there, he failed to extend the ban to congressional officials like he said he would. And the ban only applies to the agency the person worked at. They can still lobby other parts of government. Trump complained about lobbyists donating money to political campaigns on behalf of foreign governments. He said he would end the practice. He did not. And those types of foreign lobbyists raised large sums of money for his re-election campaign. Every administration fails to greatly diminish lobbying. But Trump talked a big game about draining the swamp and all that he'd do to limit the influence of lobbyists, when in reality, he increased their power and influence. That he'd fail on these promises, I suspected. I said that the biggest thing about Trump was if he doesn't do anything stupid. I talked about hoping that maybe the experts would make most of the decisions and maybe Republicans in Congress like Paul Ryan would have major influence over Trump. At times, this was true, but in other situations, it wasn't. Over time, Trump fired more and more quality experts and replaced them with people more loyal. Paul Ryan actually quit Congress. Still, outside immigration and how Trump talks about international relations, Trump wasn't too crazily different than any other Republican, and Republicans in Congress didn't give him whatever he wanted. What really blew the argument that Trump didn't do anything too stupid was COVID. Trump didn't do nearly enough early on to slow the spread of the virus, prepare testing, and track the virus. And he failed in a classic, ignorant, and biased Trump way that it's hard to see other presidents doing, Democrat or Republican. Trump's denial of the virus and lack of presidential focus on it got people killed. So I'd say my hopes that Trump wouldn't do anything too stupid were dashed against the mighty walls that were Trump's poor COVID response. I made a video that discussed the biggest problem with Donald Trump. I said he shouldn't be president because he's too risky. This riskiness came down to two factors. He's incompetent on the issues and has a lack of commitment to democratic rule of law. I said that the risk of disaster from Trump is too high and the chance of benefit too low. Fortunately, a massive Trump-caused disaster arguably didn't happen, but his lack of understanding on the issues and his lack of concern about the democratic rule of law did shine during his presidency. On policies ranging from immigration to trade to COVID to global warming, Trump simply believes false things and therefore advanced policy that was bad for a lot of people and the country as a whole. On democratic rule of law, Trump attacks and discredits the media in an inaccurate way, just like a full-on dictator would, strengthening the extent that large portions of the country dismiss out of hand 
true information that the mainstream media delivers is very bad for democracy and is a classic dictator strategy. In a plethora of interviews, Trump supporters say they basically only believe Trump or those who Trump approves of. For democracy to work, people need to accept true information and not just the lies of the leader. Trump was appropriately impeached for abusing his power. He doesn't seem to understand that the foreign leverage of U.S. power is to be used to advance the interest of the country, not to dig up false dirt about a political rival's son to increase the chance of re-election. Trump ignored that Congress has the constitutional power of the purse when he misused emergency powers to get money for a border wall. The intent of emergency statutes were not to get funding for whatever priority the president thinks is important. He also doesn't understand that U.S. law enforcement does not serve and protect all interests of the president of the United States, but the interests of the people. It's important to a democracy for law enforcement to have the freedom to investigate the powerful, including elected officials. James Comey was appropriately investigating Trump and his allies, and Trump just fired him not for the good of the country, but to protect himself and his friends. Along those lines, Trump unfairly slighted the FBI to discredit information they found about him and his allies, released several inspector generals apparently because they reported poor performance or because they were investigating his political associates, and attacked whistleblowers who appeared to, out of good faith, be reporting what they saw as improper behavior. Furthermore, Trump wanted his attorney general to interfere in an investigation of him. And when Attorney General Jeff Sessions refused, Trump fired him. He also tried to fire a series of people for not interfering inappropriately in an investigation of himself. But fortunately, staff members ignored his order. Trump has pardoned multiple people, not based on due justice, but because they were his political partners. This does great damage to justice being injustices in their own right, and further deteriorating the fairness and legitimacy of the government. Now that the election is over, Trump openly declares he won when clearly he did not. This is a huge fucking deal. A president of the United States is trying to stay in office even though he lost. He's crossing the Rubicon and attempting to overthrow our democracy, at least temporarily. If a president loses an election, but then stays in power anyways, we are no longer living in a democratic country. Fortunately, it looks like his attempt will fail, but that a U.S. president would even try to steal an election is amazing, even more so that the condemnation from his own party is quite minimal, and masses of his followers support his undemocratic actions. In my video, I mentioned his extreme supporters who can't judge what he does with objective reason. I speculated that they may support his undemocratic actions. They do. They not only were blind to his actions that got him impeached, but say that he didn't do what he clearly did. Also, they don't think he should concede the election even when he clearly lost. They think all the media are just useless liars when they are not. The way his supporters believe the false things Trump says and dismiss the true things others say is extremely dangerous for democracy, and Trump cultivates these attitudes for his own political and personal purposes.
many Trump supporters' responses to such statements will be that the election was stolen and Trump actually won. Because this is a baseless and false belief, this would be people truly thinking they are supporting democracy when in fact they are overthrowing it. Democracy doesn't always end in the knowing support of a dictator, but in blind fools passionately believing that they are supporting a democratically elected leader when they really shout for lies and authoritarianism. One reason other elected Republicans are so timid in standing up to Trump's unethical actions is because Trump has so many voting supporters who will retaliate against these politicians if they come out against Trump. These politicians care more about holding onto their seats of power and popular support than protecting U.S. democracy. They fear the wrath of Trump's fans voting them out in a primary if they speak the clear truth. Future leaders who care more about their agenda or power than democracy will see the success Trump has had in cultivating blind leader support in opposition to the democratic rule of law and may exploit it themselves more skillfully and with the learned knowledge from Trump's example. That the pushback from his own party and supporters is so light that so many are blind to his attempted coup and overturning of U.S. democracy shows how vulnerable U.S. democracy is and could facilitate the end of this democracy in the future. Trump may be a direct line from a failed attempt to overturn democracy to a successful one. I was right to say Trump was risky as a danger to the democratic rule of law. Fortunately, it looks like his violations won't overturn the republic, but they have moved us closer in that direction and revealed how feeble U.S. democracy really is. I'm Lone Candle. Like me, comment me, love me. By love, I mean smash that subscribe button and hit that bell. Ho <laughs> ho! Yeah.